How's it going, everyone? New episode of the Pick and Pod. It's going to be really tough to focus on the podcast today, boys, when all I can think about is how Jordan Woods broke the Kardashians' trust. But anyways, we're going international today. I'm in Israel. You boys are in Canada. How's it going, guys? Man, you know, living that good life. Um, NBA has been cracking. Everything's good. I mean, I'm following Nick Foles right now, the real GOAT. He's out making moves. Uh, LeBron James, he's taking L's. So, you know, the world is where it should be. Dude, somebody has to make sure that LeBron's okay. Yeah, like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of worried. Ogie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And to touch on that, yeah, what a strange time. I mean, LeBron losing to the Phoenix Suns now. I mean, what what is this world? What does this world come to? Like, how bad are the Lakers right now? This is this is incredible. Dude, the only thing I'm thinking of right now is how Jordan Woods ruined everything. Like, she is now speaking with Jada Pinkett Smith about cheating. How is this on television? Like, I'm kind of shook by this entire story. And like I I, I I don't understand what the world is coming to. What but, do you mean, like, Rich? It's the Kardashian family. The world revolves around them. Every sport. They've dipped their toes into every sport, every kind of avenue of entertainment. The Kardashians dude, we, are the center of the world. Dude, we got to get Tristan Thompson out of this. I know. He has to. The, you know, We all told him. We all told him, boy, watch out for the Kardashian curse. Watch out for He's like, nah, I'm like, going in. He went in, and everything ensued. Dude, Lamar Odom almost died because of this. <laughs> like, what, are you doing? what are you doing? Oh um, man, yo, yo, let's jump. Let's talk oh, about yeah, I, I think I think we've hit our daily Kardashian uh, mention quota. Exactly. Let's, let's move on, boys. <laughs> okay, I, 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 curse, man. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. Exactly. Honestly, I, honestly, guys, I had I didn't really have anything else to talk about. I thought we were just gonna talk about Tristan Thompson and the Kardashian oh, for an hour. Yeah. But, Anyways, anyways, let's kind of get back on track. Um, just just for all of you listeners, ballandroll.com is your spot for the best basketball content. Shop.ballandroll.com is your spot for the hottest basketball gear. Stay until the end of the episode when you can hear an exclusive interview that we've got with Serge Ibaka recorded right after last week's game against the Boston Celtics. Lots to discuss today. But first off, we're a podcast. Every single podcast has a go talk. And I think we're like six interv- uh, six episodes in, and we haven't even done a GOAT talk yet. So, Yo. Kevin, who's the GOAT? Oh, man. Okay, see, I have a controversial take on this, okay? Is it Kobe? I don't believe in a GOAT. I do not believe in a one singular GOAT, just purely because there have been many great players, and, I be- and giving one player the title of GOAT takes away from everything some legends have done in this game in order to pave the way for the youngins that are coming up right now. Each era, each era of basketball has had a great, and I think it's greatest of an era is what I believe in truly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, you want me to break it down. Like I have uh, broken down with eras itself, starting with George Mikan at a certain time. He was, he was one of the elite players, multiple all-star appearance, multiple championships, uh, at that time, he was he was the greatest. Dolph Shays, he at that time he was the greatest. Bill Russell, I have issues with Bill Russell, but like he's done enough to prove himself. Will Chamberlain is a freak of nature. This guy was 7'1", 275 pounds. His forty yard dash was four six, four six, and that was done barefoot. It's the same as LeBron James. His vertical forty eight inches. He benches five hundred pounds. So do I though. Now, boy, I, I go to the gym with you. I know what you bench. I'm not going to blast you in front of our dude, listeners. Like that. Dude, Israel has some, like, really good secret stuff that I've been taking. Yeah. Well, what like, do you mean? Yeah, they do bench, over there. Don't, don't lie. No, my bench is kind of, like, went straight through the roof right now. Oh, my God. Okay. I, I'm going to see you Tuesday. Don't you worry about that. And then uh, following Wilt is Kareem. And then Michael Jordan. And then LeBron James. I feel like there should be a Mount Rushmore out there. And just have a greatest of an era and list them over there. And that's it. Me saying Michael Jordan is the GOAT takes away from all the other players. Me saying LeBron James is the GOAT takes it away from all the other players. Like if, if I, if I'm realistic, Will Chamberlain could dominate every era if he was in it. Like physically he was built. Also, he was capable of doing far more than a lot of players nowadays can game evolved over time. So 
I, I don't think goat is really a thing. Okay, Ogie, who you got? Uh, honestly, I, I have to admit this isn't this isn't something that I spend a whole lot of time sort of thinking about, and I I agree quite a bit with Kevin in, in the sense that I don't really believe in a goat of all time just because of. I mean, well, for a few different reasons, right? Basketball is far different today than it was back in the day. I mean, I don't remember the year, but before a certain stage, there wasn't even a three-point line, you know? So that that's, I mean, that's significantly altering points per game. That's significantly altering pace. And on the topic of pace, I mean, the game used to be far slower than it is today. Big men like Bill Russell and, and Mikein were, you know, relied upon, and then the game was played through them. Um, look, uh, yeah, th- there isn't, there isn't necessarily a criteria, in my opinion, to to give an answer. If we're going by championships, I mean, Bill Russell has eleven championships, and yeah. I mean, we have to remember though how competitive was the NBA in, in Russell's era compared to I don't know, you know, today's or Jordan's. So uh, that's obviously a factor. If we're looking at all-time uh, stats, Abdul Jabbar has the most points. Kobe's up there. Jordan. Um, is up there as well. All-time MVP awards. Again, Bill Russell has five. Kareem has six. Jordan has five. LeBron has four. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of pissing around the bush here because there isn't an easy answer. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll rely on sort of the eye test. Oh, God. And, and you know, being 26 years old, 26 years old, I obviously haven't watched much Bill Russell or Abdul-Jabbar, but, you know, I, I got to say, MJ. I got to say, MJ, I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, uh, he was special, man, for, for numerous reasons, you know, scoring, defense, clutch, just the way uh, his, his, his aura, his persona. Um, mm. He didn't have a whole lot of talent around him. Scottie Pippen was a great defensive player. Rodman was a, you know, hustle guy. But mm. what he managed to do, I guess, in his era, in my opinion, would give Jordan a slight edge. Um, mm. Has LeBron come close? Sure, he has. You know, if LeBron could win a couple more championships, then he is arguably the best of all time. But like Kevin said, it's hard to sort of compare over time. The game has changed quite a bit. You don't really know how certain guys would fit in with certain eras. So, no easy answer. I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll say Jordan. But you know. Okay. So, so just here to just give you a question, uh, Ogi. Don't you think um, you said it's hard to talk about different eras? But don't you think players just have to get better with each era like the level of talent just continues to increase so in my mind is it a bad thing that the guy who's the best in every era is just better than the one in the previous era well why is he the best right you know that's when you got to bring other things into the equation as well the resources that players have today they have nutritionists they have trainers they have you know world-class facilities um so if if we're you know you have whatever what yeah. you you have whatever sperm cell created LeBron James? Yeah, I mean exactly right. So yeah, it's it's I guess it's it's obvious to assume progression, but when mm-hmm. we assume progression, you got to take into account you know the resources these guys have today, the facilities they have, the training, you know how how training has improved over the years. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough, man. It's tough. I, again, I'd say Jordan, but it's hard uh-huh. to compare generations. So just to give my opinion on the entire GOAT talk, um, I don't know about GOATs per uh, generation, per era. Uh, back when Bill Russell played he was and uh, Will Chamberlain played, they were playing against like six-foot white guys. Um, you, go over to Michael, you go over to Michael Jordan, he's playing against plumbers. And then you come to this generation. And he, but like to be serious for a second, I think, and you guys are going to hate this, but the reason advanced stats are around is to kind of com- bring that comparison between generations okay. so like, like for shut up kevin like like no i hear you laughing there I'm not laughing. Time, i know somebody laughed there but the thing is effective field goal percentage lebron has a better effective field goal percentage than michael jordan he has a he has more wind shares than michael jordan he has a higher warp uh career warp than Michael Jordan. Like, and just look at his skill set. His skill set is better than what Michael Jordan's was. He was a better better passer. He's a better shooter outside of uh, the three-point line. Obviously, Michael Jordan has a good men- mid-range game, but I think I I just think that LeBron James just is a better all-around player and the advanced stats back it up. And I mean, I think the competition nowadays is so much better than it was back then. 
So, I mean, did Michael Jordan ever play a team that has a Kevin Durant, a Steph Curry, a Clay Thompson, and, um, and a Draymond Green? No. The talent is just so much better now. The coaching is so much better now. And um, I kind of forgot what else I was going to say, but I just, I just think LeBron has, LeBron is the NBA right now. Like once LeBron's gone, things are going to not go well. LeBron is the best player to have ever lived because of the advanced stats, because of, um, because of the talent that he plays against. And I kind of hate how a lot of people say it's MJ because six for six. Because that just completely ignores everything else that happened in both of their careers. Like, Michael Michael Jordan has lost in the first round before, but nobody talks about that. LeBron James has never lost in the first round. Michael Jordan has not been to the NBA Finals, what, 10 times, whatever amount of times that LeBron's been there. Like, it's difficult to get to the NBA Finals every single year. Yeah, That's but, I mean, let's, let's compare the talent they had around them, right? Yeah. LeBron won his first, what, two, three titles with two all-stars around him with with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh then he had I mean, two all-stars I, again and Kyrie Irving and Kevin I mean Ball. Scott Michael Scott, Jordan Jordan was that team and Scotty Pippen was he was I, a two-way player he wasn't by any means like a star he was just your dude, ultimate role player dude but no. at that point Scotty Pippen was called, deemed the 50 greatest player in NBA history like right now no but back when they played he was one of the 50 greatest players Tony Kukoc is a pretty solid role player. Yeah. Paxson, Longley, Steve Kerr was a good role player. Like all, like they ha- like Horace Grant, they, they had a ton of really good role players. Dwayne I just, Wade. Yeah. But Dwayne, Dwayne, Wade, Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer. You know? yeah, yeah. I understand that. And Kyrie Chris is Bosch, probably going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Yeah. Chris and Chris had an amazing year that year too. Yeah. But Chris Bosch became a glorified stretch four with the Heat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because there was options when he was with the Raptors, he wasn't really allowed to do anything. He was well, just because being that only star. I mean, DeRozan was coming up, but he wasn't what he is right now. But I, but yeah, I mean, I, I need to take you back, Richard. Um, I, I don't think LeBron is NBA. You can't do that. I, I get it. In different eras, there's different levels of competitions. Also, right now, if you go to the paint, somebody looks at you wrong. It's a foul. Yeah. Back then, yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan went into the paint expecting to get get beat, basically. That's, yeah, that's uh, a good that's uh, a good point. That's a good point, and not just in the paint, right? Like simple hand checks, hand on checks the, exactly. on the perimeter. Yeah, like they today, you you literally can't touch anybody. Back in the day, you could you could play far more aggressively on defense. LeBron like, James had to be carried off the court because of a cramp. Larry Bird had one of his discs popped out. And he wrapped it up with paper and came back out and won the game in a playoff series. I'm just saying, difficulty is it's difficult at all times. We cannot take that away from some of the legends. Okay, and I but... think that's what the, uh, labeling somebody as the goat does. When you label LeBron James as the goat, saying that oh the game is advanced, the game's doing this. LeBron James went for a while with, with, with no carbs, no fats type thing. Back then, you eat what you get. Back then, you go uh, take something out, go rub some dirt on, and go out and play. LeBron James can go like what was that during when he had an injury when he left uh, Cleveland to Miami for the weekend, and then came back and played after like nothing happened. Back then, uh, you don't have that option. And I'll, I'll say one more thing: if we're specifically going to compare MJ and LeBron, LeBron has not been able to do it with one franchise. This is <laughs> this is his third franchise now. So what? He, I mean, well, so what? I'll tell you, so what? With Miami, right, Bosch. Bosch, you know, enters the stage where he's not as effective. Obviously, he had some health issues. Dwayne Wade is getting older. What does LeBron do? Well, I'll go to Cleveland. I'll play with Irving, who's, you know, yep. one of the top five players in the league. I'll play with Kevin Love, who's about yep. to be a perennial all-star. And I'll win three championships with them because uh, I probably won't be able to with the Heat anymore. Now, you know, Irving's out. Love mm-hmm. was banged up as well. Now he's going to try to do the same with the Lakers if they could, you know, acquire Davis or whoever this offseason. Mm-hmm. MJ didn't do that. MJ yeah, stuck but, around with one team Ogie. and he worked with what he had. Okay, exactly. but, but Ogi, how does that, how does him changing teams take away from what, how, how good he is in a vacuum? Like, I'm talking about who the best player in NBA history is in a vacuum. Like, it doesn't matter, play, uh, player movement, whatever. I think he's the most, I'm just saying, he's the most skilled player to have ever lived. His advanced stats back it up. And I mean, he's in his 16th season, <clears throat> averaging 28, 8 and 8. 
Sure, but what, what I'm saying is those advanced stats, I mean, these aren't one-on-one stats, right? These stats are have a, lar- have a lot to do with the players that are surrounding you, right? And having yeah. to move teams three times to play with better talent is obviously going to improve well, your stats. It's going to well, make no. you a more effective player. <laughs> well, no. well, no. Uh, stats like win shares and, and value over replacement player take into account every single player in basketball. So it doesn't but really matter. Who's on not far off, though. No, it, it's pretty far off when you consider no, by, how, by how what twenty points. Sorry, the win share for LeBron James is two twenty five. Win share for Michael Jordan is two fourteen. It's not that far off. I mean, but LeBron's still going. So it, this year, it's not looking that good. I feel like it's going against the win share. Yeah, stand. maybe, maybe, maybe to transition away from this topic. I mean, LeBron's looking awful right now, and it's not yeah. just the Lakers. Like he's looking. He's looking brutal. He's not playing any defense. His attitude is his attitude looks is bad. I mean, right? His yeah. Body language on the court. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw highlights from last night, but it, it was bad. Like you got him yelling at you got him yelling at Wagner. You got him, mm-hmm. you know, totally, totally out of it on the bench. So, I mean, look, LeBron's career thus far has been great, of course, but you know, you almost just wonder if he's or if there's the potential to kind of ruin his legacy in the next few years. Well. Um, like my thing on that is one, like I said, he's averaging 27, eight and eight. So yeah. even though he doesn't, he, he may seem disinterested on defense or disinterested at, uh, just playing the game. He's still averaging insane numbers for a guy who's in his 16th season. But at the same time, I kind of blame all of this on how the Lakers handled, um, handled the trade deadline. And part of that blame obviously goes on LeBron James, his shoulders. But when you're, in the public spotlight for almost a month and you're saying that everyone's available and they're trying to push everyone out the door for Anthony Davis. Yeah. And then you come back and you're like, Hey guys, you got to keep playing as hard as you can. Will they like LeBron James is still putting up 27, eight and eight, but like, and because, and he knows that he's not in trade in trade rumors. He's never been in trade rumors, but like Brandon Ingram, Lon, I wouldn't, I won't even mention Lonzo ball because that dude's injured again. Kyle yeah. Kuzma, all these players, Rondo, like these guys have all been in trade in trade talks, and Everybody I don't think I, 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 yeah, and I think Luke Walton's a pretty good coach. He just yeah. doesn't have the right players around him. They're all really young. A lot of them are on one year contracts, so they're very movable. So now you want them to kind of come together and play as hard as they can to make this playoff run when they know they're not the future of this franchise. I think that's that's a big. That just kind of ruined everything for the Lakers. And now the ma- uh, management is kind of just telling them, hey, put everything together and play the last 20 games like like professionals. But it's hard when you're not wanted. Somebody else is wanted in place of you. No, I 100% agree with you, Rich. Um, the crazy thing I saw yesterday, a team that has .190 uh, win, Suns become the worst team in LeBron James-led squad that a LeBron James led squad has lost to. That game was painful to watch last night. There was this one play where LeBron was inbounding to Ingram, throws it off the backboard, turns it over just right then and there. They were they were putting up a good fight, but the whole time Suns had the lead and they they got the win. And which which is which sucks. That's a team that's trying to lose, and they managed to get the win. And I, I agree, the management did a terrible job, but also the fact that Lonzo has been out. Lonzo Ball is. One of the best defensive guards in the league right now, I would say. Wait, Lonzo Ball? Lonzo Ball, yes. He oh, is man. an amazing defensive guard. He will pick you up from your half and strip the ball from your hand, which has happened already this uh, this year a few times. Well. No, I no. Mean, go over that. Tell, tell me he ain't the be- uh, one of the best defensive guards in the league right now. I mean, I'd have to, I, I've ha- I'd have to look at everyone in the league. Like, his defensive rating is 109. But like his defensive box box plus minus isn't bad, mm-hmm. so I mean, he's 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 impressed me with what he's done defensively. Because coming out of college, I didn't think he could play defense because I think he lacked the explosiveness and the athleticism that a lot of the guards, like the better, more athletic guards, have in the NBA. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like I I agree with you, Kevin. Like Ogie, what do you think? I mean, I, look, I don't I don't think. Lonzo Ball makes that much of a difference, to be honest. He's a, he's a good sure. defender, yeah, sure. But I mean, if if how many games has he been out? What ten? I I don't think the Lakers' record or performance would be significantly different had Lonzo Ball featured in these last few games. So, I mean, 
I mean, when everybody was healthy, they were holding that fourth position. Yeah, and, and that was yeah, that was a while ago, man. That was yeah. That was, no, I get it. That was before the um, All Star Weekend and everything like that. Before LeBron got hurt, the groin injury, they were holding that fourth place um, position in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. But I mean, ever since the whole trade talk, one of the iconic pictures I've seen this year was LeBron James sitting on one end, the rest of the seat sitting four seats away, basically. Yeah, and dude, that's that's the thing. That's on the one problem. end of the bench, that's the future of the Lakers. On the other end is all tradable assets. Yeah, and punks. Yeah, and that that just it's just been horribly managed from uh, start to finish. And the thing is. When before all these trade rumors started, like mm-hmm. a couple months ago, when the Lakers were the fourth best team in in the Western Conference, I mean, I think that's what they are, what they're still capable of doing. Like yeah. I, like I don't think that was a fluke. When you have LeBron James, you're going to be a really good team. But everybody has to be involved. Everyone has to be engaged. But I mean, if if 14 guys aren't engaged, and and you're forcing a guy who's in his 16th season to be engaged, like that's tough. Obviously, I. I put some of the blame on LeBron James, but I, I think it starts with man. It, it always starts with the management. It always stops. It always starts from the top down. Yeah. And I think the Lakers sure. just dropped the ball and it's a rookie front office like magic Johnson. It's a, it's his first year on the job. Plinka first year on the job. And I think this is a good learning experience at the same time. Obviously LeBron doesn't have that like too many years left because he's in the 16th season. But if magic and Plinka are going to be here for the long run and you're still managing the Lakers, which is a marquee franchise. It's Los Angeles, it's California. You're going to be able to get free agents to come there no matter what. So honestly, I think there's some good positive and negative takeaways that uh, Magic, Genie Bus, Palenka can take away from that season, even if the Lakers don't make the season, uh, the postseason. And kind of seems like they won't make the postseason at this point. Um, what do you, what do you, what did you guys think about Genie Bus's uh, press release? where she said all the reports surrounding Anthony Davis trade talk were rumors or fake news. What were your thoughts on that? I mean, to me, it, it's, it sounds like she's trying to sort of salvage something yeah. out of the season. I mean, you know, you're just saying that to try and rally the guys and, you know, put some of the drama down. But at, at that point, like too, too much damage has been inflicted. I mean, mm-hmm. the way I think about it, think about any sort of, you know, social Social, whether it's a team or a company, I mean, when you have effectively your supervisors, your management telling you that we don't need you. I mean, I understand this is a business, but when you have your management telling you, look, we don't need you. We don't value your services. um, At the first opportunity that we get, we'll look to trade you. I mean, that just shatters morale completely. How do you recover from that, right? Look, you, you know, they are supposed to be professionals. They're getting paid millions of dollars, and some people would obviously expect them to be able to cope with that and move on, but I, I, I don't see it. I mean, it's it's clearly done a lot of damage to the team. Yeah, uh, the, the players have lost trust in LeBron. Uh, the, the players have lost trust in management. Mm-hmm. It's a disaster. And and look, if, if, if you ask me who most of the blame goes to, I, I probably agree with you, Rich, in the sense that it's, it's, it's management and the way that they handled the yeah. deadline and the way that they handled... Um, you know, potential transactions. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mess. And <laughs> look, yeah. Lakers fans were excited about the beginning of the year. You know, they haven't been relevant in a long time. They got LeBron. <laughs> they people were saying, you know, preseason they're the main contenders to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, I don't think too many. I don't think too many people had them not making the playoffs this year. Like yeah. this is this yeah. is a big story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's the thing. When Magic Johnson was busted for tampering a couple months ago. Like, yeah, I get it. You're Magic Johnson. You're like a co-owner of the Dodgers. You have so much money. Like, yeah, the tampering fee won't really move the needle for you. But above that, like, you're you're telling your team that, hey, Anthony Davis is out there. I w- am willing to trade anybody for him. And this is kind of why, like, uh, Jason Tatum, a few like a month ago, he said um, if the Boston Celtics trade him for Anthony Davis, he'd be like, yeah, totally. It's Anthony Davis. I get it. Like fuck, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, because he kind of thinks logically about it, but not everyone's gonna think about it like Jason Tatum, right? No, and, I mean, and just, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, Rich, but like you're in LA, and you're you're a superstar basically. Alonzo has reality shows around him, and he's expected to be a Laker for the rest of his life. That's what his dad set him up to be. 
And Magic Johnson also said, uh, you're, oh, I see this boy's jersey in the Raptors. You know, you bring in Kuz, a late-round late diamond. Um, and they were like, oh, you, you're going to be special too. Brandon Ingram, he, they were like, oh, he's an untradeable piece for the longest time just because of his potential. They put up so much hype over these kids. And the moment a superstar is available, oh, take everything, take my kidneys, take my heart, take one of my eyes, take my first, second, third-born child, take all the draft picks for the rest of the future for Anthony Davis, that makes them feel terrible. Yeah. And, and then a genie bus coming in right after saying, oh, that wasn't real. No one's buying that. You're trying to make them feel like idiots by yeah. making that press release. You're like, oh, nothing happened, guys. It's like, like nothing happened. No, these are superstars with multi-million dollar contracts in Hollywood where your ego, if it starts at a five, it's at a hundred when you walk into L.A., Mm-hmm. And you're just a pawn to the yeah. league. That, that, that's not good. Yeah, and just to kind of build off of what both you and Ogie said, um, I mean, Jeannie Buss can say all she wants, but the lie detector determined that that was a lie. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these players don't have a college degree or a college education. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they can read through the lines. They get it. They're not that stupid. They're not. And, and just to comment on what Ogie said about um, – like the whole ownership thing. It's kind of like with the Raptors. When uh, they traded Kawhi Leonard, uh, for Kawhi Leonard, they traded DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi. And DeMar Rosen was really, really pissy about it. And he was uh, just mad how Masai Ujiri just didn't tell him up front that, hey, DeMar, I'm trying to trade you away right now for Kawhi Leonard. But here's the thing, DeMar. Like, the Raptors aren't the only team trying to trade for a top five player in basketball. So would you rather... Masai Jiri tell him up front, hey, DeMar, we're going to be trying to trade you for Kawhi. And if that trade doesn't go down, DeMar DeRozan comes into the season going like, well, hell, my my boss tried to get rid of me for someone who he thinks is better. That means he doesn't have the same trust in me like I thought he did. So, I mean, that kind of ruins morale. I understand why Masai Jiri didn't just straight up uh, tell um, DeMar DeRozan that he's trying to trade him. I had no problem with that. Same thing here. Like, you kind of ruin the morale by saying like, "Hey, we're trying to upgrade you." Like yeah. they, and th- that's kind of my thing. But like I said, at the end of the day, I think if if they're smart, which I'm sure Rob Palenka is, and mm-hmm. I, I mean I don't know what Magic Johnson's like when he when it comes to player management, but I think Rob Palenka is a smart dude, and if he's smart, he's gonna take positives out of this and learn from it, and not do do the same thing over and over again. And like I said, it's LA. Free agents are going to come. Exactly. But, yeah, and that's the good thing about LA and mm-hmm. running running things in LA. You can mess things up so many times, and you can still go out in free agency and get LeBron James. Like, what did LA do the past four years to warrant getting the greatest player in basketball today? Oh, like, like let's not let's not kid ourselves, guys. A, a large part of LeBron choosing to go there is his Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, his, his businesses, his investments, his name. Like, at this point in time, he's thinking, he's thinking beyond basketball, right? Like, he's thinking he wants to set himself up for the next stage of his career. Yeah. He's looking, you know, for where perhaps his kids want to be, where his family wants to be. So, I mean, and and <laughs> interestingly, I mean, the, this comes back to him being disinterested. Mm-hmm. Part of me really wonders, I mean, how invested is he at this point? You know, he's he's won his championships. He's won his MVP awards. Has he just decided, look, I've done enough, I want to relax now? I mean, I, I almost kind of am starting to wonder that at this point. I mean, if the only thing that's on his mind is playing long enough to play against his son, well, then, I mean, you got to do something for the next four years to fill that. <laughs> that's so bad. The that's amount of money crazy. he's getting paid, that should not be the mentality. Yeah. But like, keep, a, keep, in mind, mentality. Oh. keep in mind, even though he does, does look uninterested, he's still playing really, really well. I think yeah. it's just it just has a lot to do with the players around him. The players around him don't gel well. He doesn't have a lot of shooters around him, which is really really bad considering Le- what LeBron does best is space out the co- the court and yeah. give guys the o- uh, open shots. And he doesn't like he doesn't have those shooters like he had in Cleveland. Um, yeah. But just to kind of move on, um, it's something uh, uh, Ogie brought up with LeBron coming to LA and it being Hollywood. I have this theory that I don't think um, there should be 30 franchises in basketball. And I, I know we didn't really discuss really? that. Yeah, I know we didn't really discuss this before uh, 
clicking record, but it all comes down to markets. Like mm -hmm. you go to LA, you have Hollywood, you have all these businesses. You go to Golden State, you have like um, Silicon Valley. You go to New York, it's it's um, the great the Big Apple. Like there's like there's only a handful of massive markets in America, and there's a lot of little markets that just literally cannot compete with the bigger markets. Like you have San Antonio every now and then, but they how many San Antonio Spurs do we see in NBA history? San Antonio, this, but they've they've oh, oh, oh I, Rich, I have to disagree with you there, man. I mean, no, the Spurs, I just, the Spurs have won, been in the playoffs for twenty straight years. They have they won what five championships in the Popovich era, like yeah. But my yeah, point that, is, that's not because free agents are coming over there to sign. That's just purely because of Popovich. No, no, free no, no. no. Signing is because of a big market, basically. Oh wait, let me, that's what you're saying. Wait, let me let me just finish my point with the Spurs. I agree. They're just an outlier because they have Popovich, because they have R.C. Buford, because they have a really, really great scouting system, because they, they're really cutting edge in player development. That's yeah. why they're so above and beyond the rest of the NBA. But how yeah. many San Antonio Spurs are there? My point is that there's a lot of small market teams that simply can't compete. That's why there's only been like 14 franchises who have won a championship. The Cleveland Cavaliers have won a championship because LeBron James is from Cleveland. Otherwise, yeah. they're not sniffing the finals ever because they're a small market. No one's going to Cleveland going like, okay, off the court, I'm going to make these business ventures. <laughs> and like that, that's kind of my thing. There's, and when we talk about competitiveness and a lot of teams tanking, you can never get rid of tanking because a lot of these small market teams, the only way they can win is by drafting a guy who turns into a superstar. And then yeah. they have to just – bank in on everything for for him to, for this to, to actually work that's kind of like with the new orleans pelicans they went out and traded for demarcus cousins because they simply have nothing left to do they have anthony davis a generational player they have to do whatever they can right now because he's going to leave when he's a free agent right yeah. so that's my thing I, and i, I kind of want to know your opinion on this first ogie just like i feel like you kind of have to if you want to improve competitiveness in this league I feel like you have to eliminate a few teams, like the Phoenix Suns, the Cleveland Cavaliers, all these small – even the Indiana Pacers to an extent. The Indiana Pacers aren't winning. Right now they're competitive because they brought in a lot of good role players and they're gelling. But in the long run, like, they're not winning. There's only three teams a year who are going to win. Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean – it's look it's like this in all sports i mean I, I follow soccer quite a bit and every year it's it's the same teams right it's it's the barcelona's the real madrid's it's them signing the best players it's them signing the most money you know in, in baseball the yankees and the red sox always have the most money they're always signing the best players so this isn't just this isn't just, obviously just the basketball issues that this is this is something that occurs across all sports but in regards to i guess small franchises i mean look a lot. I, I don't have the exact stats, but I'm pretty sure at least 90% of the teams in the league are profitable. That means they're filling their, you know, courts to to some extent. You know, they're not sellouts every night, but they're getting good crowds. Um, TV. I know TV revenues have gone up. Look, uh, the NBA is the most profitable league across mm. across all major sports. So I um, think from a from a profit standpoint. Um, most of the teams are doing well. You're right. Teams like Phoenix and Memphis obviously aren't, but I think the solution to that is to move them, right? Seattle could really use a franchise. Yeah, Look what I, Vegas has done in hockey. They could, they could definitely, I think, use a basketball franchise. Yes. Are they going to compete? Are these small teams going to compete every year? Probably not, right? But, I mean, you know, you do have the odd outliers. You do have teams like the Spurs. Who knows? Maybe the Bucks now. They're a small market maybe around Giannis they could you know I, I could definitely see them being a perennial championship contender for the next 10 years mm -hmm. Denver is a pretty small market they've got a nice young core I could see them being championship contenders for a long mm -hmm. time so you, you know you get these small stories you get these small market teams being competitive obviously not every year but from mm -hmm. you know every 10 years you'll have a few and I, I think that's just the way that it's going to be yeah and um just to kind of bounce off your point I think I read a story about like a year ago um I'd don't know if it's true. Don't quote me on this, but I think there's about ten teams in the NBA that aren't profitable right now. That's something I just read a year ago. But I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think you got to move teams that are in Memphis, that are in Phoenix, to places like Vegas and Seattle. Those are the bigger markets, yep. and that's how you can capitalize on players like really moving, moving to more than just three teams. Like the way, like the way free agency kind of works right now is, is the NBA wants. 
players, the star players, to stay on their on the team that they're playing on right now. That's mm-hmm. why that's why the Raptors can sign Kawhi Leonard for five years, and every other team can sign him for four. That's mm-hmm. why the rules are the way they are, and the why they're in place is because they want to keep these guys put. So that's why they like Oklahoma City, right? They got lucky with Kevin Durant. Um, well, they were in Seattle, but. I mean, they got lucky with Paul George resigning. They got lucky with, with Russell Westward. It's a small market. And mm-hmm. the way that the NBA contract situation works is if he wants a long-term deal in the max contract, he has to stay in OKC to get that extra year, which is important. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the next step, like you 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 have to start moving some of these teams to bigger fan to bigger um uh to bigger uh, cities to bigger markets. And you made that point about baseball. But the thing with baseball is baseball is an individual. It's kind of like an individual sport in the sense that Mike Trout's the best baseball player in the world. But the, the LA Angels, uh, the LA, LA of Anaheim, they're not really going anywhere, right? Because they have eight other players in their lineup. So I think with baseball, it's different where you can build championship teams even on small, smaller markets because it's all about how you kind of work with statistics, how you kind of put, put, put your team together. You don't really need a ton of stars. Um, and then tr- at the trade deadline, you just trade for an ace starter like the Blue Jays did a, a while ago with uh, David Price. But with basketball, with a sport that so like it's spearheaded by the LeBron Jameses of the, of the world, the Steph Currys, I think it can't really work like that. So and uh, and like you see a sport like football where where um, you kind of need it's it kind of it's kind of like a chess match. Like anyone can win because it's a chess match. That's why so many play, uh, so many fans are just so invested in football. Even if you're like a small market like Jacksonville, but still crowds come out because anyone can win because because it's a chess match. Not so much in basketball. Like you go into the playoffs, you know exactly what's going to happen. Like last year, we all knew once the playoffs started that Golden State's going to whoop everybody. And yeah. the fact that it it even stayed close with Houston is incredible. But you know what I mean? Ken, what do you think? No, I, I 100% agree with both you and Ogi. Um, I think teams need to move just because it started get, it started to get boring. A lot mm-hmm. of people have addressed this already. Adam Silver has too, regarding tanking itself. Mm-hmm. Tanking is there just because the market is so big that good players, they're, they're, they're concentrated among certain teams. And they stay at the top of the league every year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, meanwhile, teams like Phoenix, Memphis, uh those teams are having like consecutive lo- uh, losing seasons. Memphis had a good year where they had what was a year of grind, grit and grind or whatever it was, where they had all the defensive guys. Tony Allen was falling out, all that stuff. But I mean, I think yeah, you're right. Vegas needs def- definitely needs a team, and I, that would attract a lot of all stars to go there just because of the market that it is. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, Kevin, like, yeah. why do you think the NBA is interested in having a team in Mexico City? I was about to say that. Yeah, Mexico City is the market they want to hit. You know. Yeah, I that i wouldn't mind that you should definitely start diversifying the demographics like mexico they're they they also partake in a lot of the american entertainment like as in they're they're part of that demographic as well so i'm uh it's just the uh, outreach right you a while ago they there was a huge outreach towards india itself that's 1.3 billion people even if you get a small part a portion of that it's massive just because you're selling uh tv rights to sony tv and mm. Money that comes into the NBA, that, that's good. That's what we want. Yeah. You guys know the one player that would be against a team in, in uh, Mexico City? Um, wait, 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 wait. Is this If this is a joke, I need a hint. Uh, Erdogan, if you guys know your politics. Oh, no. <laughs> that's over my head. Ines Cantor, boys. <laughs> He's not allowed to leave the country. That's why, yeah. that's why he didn't play against the Raptors the other day. So, I mean, open up a team in Mexico City and he's going to be missing a couple more games per season. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Ines Cantor's uh, Twitter. Like, um, before the Raptor game, I just, I'm just i scrolling through my Twitter feed and I see Ines Cantor pop up. And his uh, tweet is, DNP, dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? For, for those who you know maybe don't know, uh, Turkey is a, a quasi dictatorship, right? Under Erdogan, yeah. and yeah. Enes Kanter is legitimately one of the most wanted men in that country. Yeah. I find that hysterical. So, no, yeah, he's he's kind of trapped in the states. I mean, that's not bad. Get that Twitter away from him. Yeah, but anyways, that's actually a pretty good transition to some Raptor talk. Uh, the Raptors have won a couple of games in a row. They mm-hmm. barely squeezed out the Portland game. Um, yeah. which was a little bit of a mess at the end. But the Boston Celtics game was really, really interesting to me because 
the Raptors finally played like the Raptors should play. And Rich, uh, are, you, are you reading into that game really? Um, yeah. no, like not 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 too much. But I like, would. Chicago Bulls beat him a few games before, and no. I think that beat volumes. We'll, like, we'll get to the Bulls later, Kevin. Don't worry. Well, we are? Oh, this is a good day, then. I'm loving yeah. it. Let's do this. <laughs> Here's the thing. Ogie texted me during the during the Celtics-Raptor game, and he's yeah. like, are the Raptors playing that well, or are the Celtics playing that bad? And, I'm going to go with option two. Yeah. I and, mean, looking I, at the games that have followed, I, yeah, I, I think it's the latter. I mean, the Celtics he, are training. I think, I, I think it's kind of like a little bit of both. Of course. One, no, but here's the thing. For the Raptors, even whatever's happening with the Celtics right now, whenever the Celtics come to town, it's a marquee game. It's a game you want to play. Mm-hmm. The Raptors have lost twice to the Celtics this year. That's a game they want to play to kind of prove themselves to themselves. Yeah. One, that's it. Back like back to kind of chilling. Portland comes into town. Like, eh, that, that that game, like, it, they played really, really well for 36 minutes of it. Yeah, that, was, then, Gasol's, that was Gasol's best game as a Raptor. Yeah. Yeah, and everything kind of fell apart after. But mm-hmm. like, with, with my question for you guys is: with these two games, we kind of saw a lot of what the Raps Raps could be, and a lot of what the Raptors have been for a, for a, a big chunk of the season, simply because of like poor engagement, not really playing as well as they can. So, what do you guys think about this team now? I mean, I, I, I think there was a little bit too much hype on the Raptors coming into this year. I've never really bought into it. I want – genuinely, I'm not a fan of the Raptors, but genuinely I want you guys to win. Like, I, because being from Canada, I have to root for – I mean, I, root for their success, not root for them. But I want you guys to win. But mm-hmm. all signs are pointing towards – Milwaukee. It's just a hype. It's just a hype right now, and the hype is starting to fall apart. You're starting to see issues. They don't have the same bench mob that they did last year, and that's showing this year as well. They're mm. not blowing out teams they should be blowing out. They're losing to teams that they should not be losing to. Mm. And, I mean, Rich, if you're not a true believer of clutch, I don't know what to tell you after the Blazers game where Kawhi came through on a moment that you needed that shot, and Kawhi hit that shot just because Kawhi yeah. Well, I mean, look, that's the first thing that I was going to say. I mean, the most encouraging thing, this may sound strange, but the most encouraging thing from the past, one of the most encouraging things from the past few games is Kawhi making that shot. Because yeah. I think I think before that, I mean, obviously I don't have the, but I, I think he was legitimately like 0 for 5 or 6 in, in sort of game, uh, game deciding shots, like buzzer beaters. He, he yeah. before that shot, he his record was not good at all. So I'm glad mm-hmm. he finally mm-hmm. made one. That doesn't sound too clutch to me, then. I no, mean, until, no, the, no, until then. Clutch doesn't mean 100%, though. Clutch, clutch is a mentality that you go into it, knowing that you have the best chance of hitting that shot. You want that shot, and you're going to take it. That's clutch. Okay. That's and, and I think I think with Kawhi specifically, like, linked with clutch, mm. I mean, this, this guy is just unfazed. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's literally – and that's the kind of guy you want, you know, to have the ball in his hands. Somebody with – you know, he's he's – He's got ice in his veins, man. Like he, there is literally nothing that could happen on the court to face him. Like yeah. he, he has the fa- same, almost, almost the same facial expression if he scores a, a last-minute shot or if he misses it. Like the, you know, it's he'd be a good poker player because he really doesn't give much away. Absolutely, Ogie. Okay. Um, but but he, here's the thing. Like obviously that was really good to see because the Raptors won the game. Mm-hmm. But my biggest takeaway from uh, last night was just to see. Uh, how the chemistry between Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol is growing, how, and I really love the chemistry between Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry. I really love what Jeremy Lin is doing on the offensive end with his chemistry with the big guys. I think that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, uh, and on that on that note, I think one big big question that I have is, I, I, and thus far it's sort of been a game to game thing in terms of who starts at center, but even even I'm sort of flip flopping. I mean. If you asked me last week, I'd say that I prefer Gasol on the bench just because that bench sort of lacks some punch. You know, we yeah. talked about how how much the uh, how much worse the bench is this year, and and understandably so considering uh, how much transition it's gone through. But with Gasol on the with the bench unit, you know, you have a facilitator, you have a guy who you know, you could throw the ball into the post, and he could he could make something happen. He could sort of incorporate other guys, and it just gives you, like I said, a little punch with the second unit. Um, but 
after that last game and seeing how well he fit with the starters, I, I don't know. And it, my mind is probably going to change several more times until the end of the season. But I don't um, know. We'll see. It, it, I, it's hard to say. He played good with the starters, and then he kind of makes sense to me with the bench unit. But we'll see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, here's here's my thing on that with the flip-flopping. Um, I, initially, I was all for it because I think you got to play the matchups. Um, I still, I'm, I'm still like in full agreement with uh, Nick Nurse starting Marcus All um, against uh, Yusuf Nurkic. That's the right, but yeah, that like that's the right call when I it comes Nurkic, to yes, hundred percent. When it comes to matchups, but yeah. there's also the fact that Serge Ibaka, when he's not in the court with Kyle Lowry, his numbers go down by so much; it's just kind of scary. So at that point, you kind of have to make the decision. Do you really want to play the matchups or do you want your secondary big or your primary big to just really, really work? So if that means keeping Marcus all on the, on the bench to give that, to give that bench more continuity and more fluidity on offense and like keeping Serge Ibaka in the fold, then I mean, I, I think the Raptors might have to keep it the same lineup simply because like, it just doesn't seem like Serge Ibaka is getting anything done with Kyle Lowry off the court. You know and, what I mean? and, yeah, and to their credit, both both guys are you know they have a, they have a positive mindset. Like you don't you don't you won't hear them complaining. You won't hear Ibaka saying, "Oh, you know, I, I was starting the whole year. I, I should still be starting." It, they realize it's a fluid situation. They're good teammates. I mean, that's the one thing I absolutely love about Casal. Like he's just such a likable guy. You know, he's he's a great teammate. He's a great guy around the community. The way same with uh, Jeremy Lin for that matter. But the way that Casal has come in, you know, starting he's 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 been a starter his whole life now. Coming here, coming off the bench occasionally, he's okay with it. So I think ultimately, whatever you know, Nick Nurse and the coaching staff decide to do, both guys are going to be fine with it, and I think that's important. Yeah, yeah but Rich, Rich, I have a question. Um, so you speaking about Ibaka's numbers? Does Ibaka's numbers are they somehow connected to um, their wins? Because it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Ibaka has to put up big numbers in order for them to get wins. Well, the, what really matters is just putting in the putting in the right lineup to match mm-hmm. up with the because last night you think about it Nurkic is a big boy he can grab boards uh easily and you need a guy like Marcus Saul with that wide body and the big weight just to kind of like box them out get those boards and I think Ibaka would get bodied around if it was matched up against Nurkic so that was the right right player to put it put up against him mm-hmm. so you, you got to kind of match up accordingly basically yeah I, I I guess um I mean I just overall I just I just see that players obviously play a lot better when Kyle Lowry's around, but mm-hmm. Serge Ibaka, you just see him kind of like drop, like his production just drops, win or lose, when Kyle Lowry's not not around. And that's let, let me let me ask you guys a question. Sure. Who do you guys think is the X factor on this Raptors team? I think it's Kyle so, Lowry. We know, yeah, we know Kawhi is going to be Kawhi. Who do you guys think is is the X factor on the Raptors team that will either propel them to perhaps making the finals or the Eastern Conference finals or the player that's, if he doesn't play to the level that he should be playing, mm-hmm. the Raptors will probably lose like in the semis. Like who, who's the, who's the X factor on this Raptors team? Oh, it's Kyle Lowry. Down. No. no, it's Kyle Lowry. I think he's like, he's kind of the motor that kind of drives this team. And you can just see how much better this team is when Kyle Lowry's on the court and playing well. Um, obviously, when it comes to like really moving from like round to round, especially like later in the playoffs, you need shooting. So the, just the Raptors shooting core for us just as a collective has to be there if they want to be teams like Milwaukee. But as an individual player, I think it has to be Kyle Lowry because he's just he's that guy who takes the big charges on the, the defensive end. He's the guy talking. He's the leader. He's the guy running the offense on the other end. But and Rich, he, Rich, I, I, I think I agree with you. But remember, he's also the guy who isn't shooting the ball very well. Yeah, but who isn't I, putting up many points. Yeah, and I, and I agree. It's interesting because he doesn't really even need to do those things but to that's prove how important he is to this team because of his intangibles, because of his leadership, because of his ability to set other guys up. But that's the thing. Your question was like, who they yeah. really need. Yeah. in the playoffs to, like, make it or break it. If Kyle Lowry, like, he's playing well right now. Obviously, he can shoot the ball better. But mm-hmm. if he can, like, bump it up a notch in the playoffs and shoot mm-hmm. the ball as well, I mean, this team is going to be really, really tough to play. What do you think, Kevin? 
And no, I, you know what? I'm just, a huge fan of Danny Green. I think he's your X factor because Spurs, one of some of their greatest successful games, especially when it came to playoffs, is Danny Green's clutch. He will mm-hmm. guard some of the best players on the other team, and he will come down and hit clutch threes. Mm-hmm. And I think Danny Green is the X factor for you guys, basically. But I, I think, think so. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I think to just kind of counter Kevin's point, Danny Green has just been a steady presence all year. Like he defends and he yeah. makes a big shot. So I don't, I don't know if I can say that Danny Green is the X factor because he's just been steady all year. I think with a guy like Kyle Lowry, oh. it's more oh. like <laughs> just because like, he's unstable. No, no, no. stats wise, stats wise. No, no I, I just, I just mean because. Kyle Lowry. No, he's I know. No, I know, I know. But I mean, like with his, with his shot just being so inconsistent this season, I think that's like that's really going to be the big question going into the season because if Kyle Lowry can like dribble up the court and pull up for those threes that he used to do like consistently, like oh, Jesus Christ, this team is going to be tough to play because oh. those, those those shots that Kyle Lowry used to make, just the ones that he like, dribbles off the court and just throws it up and, and drops a three, that's yeah. a that's just a gut punch for a team. Oh, yeah. well, I, think, I think the answer may also be Fred Van Fleet yeah. for a couple of reasons. Fred Van Fleet is the sixth man of this Raptors team. He is he is their sort of leader, you know, on the second unit. He, fin- yeah. he finishes a lot of games, whether it's – well, most of the time it's it's for either like Danny Green or if they play kind of small ball, he finishes a lot of games. And yeah. what I'm looking – you know, his injury doesn't seem that serious, but he still is expected to miss, what, four to five weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Raptors need Van Fleet to come back. They need him to be healthy going into the playoffs. And they need it to be effective, right? Because we've seen that Lowry hasn't been the Lowry of past years. And if mm-hmm. he doesn't find that top form down the stretch, then I think Van Fleet is absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. I think Van Fleet will be instrumental if, if Lowry's form doesn't elevate to where it um, has been in the past. You know, playoff time comes around. I think Van Fleet could be the X factor on this team. Mm-hmm. And just before we just switch to our uh, last quick topic... And we're going to touch on this like uh, closer to the playoffs a lot, but I think there's just a lot of questions surrounding the Raptors going into the playoffs. Like, yeah, Fred VanVleet's health, Kyle Lowry. I think Pascal Siakam's another question. Like, he's exploded this season. But the, the rotation, playoffs, right? What is the what is the eight nine man playoff rotation look like? That's huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, you've seen how good Pascal Siakam has been this year, but like, what happens when teams start to prepare for individual players for a seven game series and like. Pascal Siakam's really, really good, but I mean, this is his first year, just really, really establishing something. So, how is he going to, how is he going to look when teams like really, really start honing down and preparing themselves for for him? But just um, a last quick thing before we we log out of this, okay. uh, Bulls are a, are a team that uh, Kevin Kevin Kacheri really, really likes or some for some die hard, die hard. That's my not, squad. I'm not really sure how. But right now, they're kind of doing everything they shouldn't be doing, Kevin. Yeah. They're winning basketball games. I mean, the, the Bulls are on fire. Like, Zach Levine is looking like an MVP. Dude, what are you, Kevin, what are they doing? They're doing the opposite of what they should be doing. The problem is they brought a coach in who wants to win. And that's the last thing Bulls need to do. Jim Boylan came in with the mentality that, you know what? I, I was part of the assistant coach team uh, when Akeem Olajuwon won those rings. I was with some uh, college uh, college teams, which also won. You know, I'm going to come in, make these guys run as hard as they can to the point where Zach Levine at the fourth overtime said his stomach was hurting just because he was that gas. They were running these guys to the ground for no reason. <laughs> you got boys fouling out. This is Atlanta Hawks is not that good of a team. It should not be that hard to lose to them. We have to try to lose. We're losing to Memphis, another team which is not hard to lose, but we're uh, winning against them for some reason. We're winning against teams that we should be losing against, yeah. which I'm not happy. We're, we're just kicking ourselves out of the chances of either landing in RJ, Cam Reddish, uh, Moe, or uh, Zion. Yeah. And but, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of what they're doing right now, but hey. I mean, here's, here's Kevin. Here's my uh, kind of quick thing on this. Of course, ownership may want them to lose games. Fans may want them to lose games because yep. they want because they want uh, RJ Barrett. But yeah. the coach, the players, like they want a job past this year. That's yeah. why. 
That's why they're playing really, really hard. And I know they're not the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns kind of have this. Whole process. Yeah. <laughs> the Phoenix Suns have this process down to a science. They're so good at losing. Their, their best player is Devin Booker, who's yeah. only good on one end of the court. DeAndre yeah. Ayton, who's a rookie, and I mean, what Michael Bridges, who's also a rookie. Like their team sucks. Kelly Oubre too, right? Kelly but like, out. their team literally sucks. Did you, like, see, did you hear what uh, Josh Jackson did? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. He, they like, had a team uh, or like pl- player meetup, basically where the fans could come in and meet the players, and he just didn't show up. Yeah, like like Josh Jackson can't even make it to a fan appearance. How is he going to yeah, make shots in a basketball sad. being defended by by humans? You know. But anyways, we gotta wrap this one up. Uh, God bless the Chicago Bulls. Uh, God bless. Oh, no, oh no, we need God to stop blessing us a little bit. We yeah. need that first pick, man. Yeah, and God bless Kawhi Leonard. He's undergoing some stuff. He's on. He's on low management tonight. Um, but yeah, God bless LeBron James. There we go. Great episode, boys. Um, again, Serge Ibaka. Uh, Serge Ibaka interview coming right to you guys. If you want to know more about the Serge Ibaka interview, check out ballandroll.com for an exclusive piece on the interview. Boys, until next week. Serge Ibaka for ballandroll.com. The big part of the NBA is NBA uh, cares. Tell me why it's so important to you to be involved in so much charity work. Uh, just, you know, um, come, 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 come from where I come from, you know, and, uh, you know, to me, I feel like I have obligation to do that, you know, and I also enjoy doing, you know. Um, I don't know if you know my story, but, you know, uh, at some point, uh, I used to be in the street when I was young. Uh, I mean, I was in the street, you know, when I was young. And, uh, uh, you know, my mom died when I was seven, so, you know, one part of my life, I grew up, I grew up with my dad, you know, and, uh, you know, with, with no mom, so... You know, just to me, I know, I know how struggle is. You know, for those kids out there, you know, who do have, they know our parents, or they live in the street. Because I used to be one of those kids too. You know, I used to go. You know, I used to go uh, walk. I used to go to the restaurants. You know, just wait till people finish to eat, so I can eat the rest of the food. You know, I used to. You know, I used to do. What, I used to try to do. You know, do whatever it take. You know, just to ask. You know, to, to to find the food, you just find the bread, man. You know, and um, you know, I used to do those kind of things. You know, I used to, sometimes I used to you know cover my face. So just I, I was so it was I didn't have no choice, and I had to go do those kind of things to ask for money or for food. So because you know, my family is kind of no, you know you know big name. You know, people will know my dad before he got in the prison before he go to the prison. You know, and I had to I had to put. You know something in my face. You know, wear some hoodies in my face so nobody, you know, from my neighborhood can see my face. You know, and uh, do those kind of things. So, you know, so it, to me, I do. I enjoy doing them more. You know, I enjoy doing them more than give my family money for them to go do some stupid shit. You know, so. I always tell my family, man, even my family, you know, it's kind of big, you know, I have a big part of my family, you know, because I tell, I always tell my family, if I give you money, I give you something, you know, you have to do something with, you know, because I didn't have that, you know, and uh, now if I give you that, what I didn't have it, you know, don't play with that, because it's a lot, you know what I'm saying, because when I, when I, I didn't have nothing, and uh, I didn't have nothing. You know what I mean? So now I have something, and I, if I give you that, the opportunity you have to do something with. Because not, I don't prefer give my money to people who need it. So, you know, kids who have families who live in the street. Because they, they need the most. You know, they, you know I know they need the most? Because I, I used to be those kids. You know? So you have place to sleep, you got water to drink, you got bread to eat in the morning. And if your opportunity comes to you, you better do something with because kids, some kids out there, that they didn't have even bread. You know, you know, my dream used to be just to wake up in the morning to have one bread, man. That's it. I'll be, I'll be happy if you have bread in the morning. I'll be happy. I, I used to, I used to eat bread from uh, like bread in the morning, bread for lunch, and then wait till like 9 p.m. to find if I want to have food or no. 
Unbelievable. You know, so you know, we're now with my, you know, with my my foundation, we're working on some project. I don't know if you know it. And uh, we're working on that here in Toronto. We found a place where you know a lot, like you know, a lot of, you know, in the Toronto, there's a lot of people in the street. So okay, hear the story. One day I was walking. I decided with my friend we were just walking, and then I saw, you know, people sleeping on the street. You know, it was it was cold, like, and uh, I was like, hey, like that that should be so hard for those people just in the street. You know, it really, it really hurt my feeling. You know, because I felt like, man, those you know, it, it could be anybody. You know, so then I I told my my guy, his name is Jory, he worked with me. I said, what we should, what what we can do to help those people. You know, and I asked if it's anywhere those people, you know, they are place to go, you know, because it's too cold. And then he said, yeah, it's a people, it's a place for them to go, but most of them, most of those people, they don't like to go. I said, okay, if they are, if they are a place, then I can already do something about for them, you know, place to go sleep. I said, okay, at least let's do something like where they can have some food, you know, and give them clothes. So then we decided, and then uh, now we found the place. I'm gonna start the project soon. You know, you wanna you wanna hear about it. So the project is I, I call. Uh, we, we we still we still try to figure out about the name, but you know it's about you know calling them something like you know giving we should give them food you know like every every Monday and, uh, or Saturday, twice a week, where they're gonna go out there. They're gonna decide for free meals. We wanna give them clothes. You know, so I'm gonna try to talk about teammates, whatever I wanna involve to. You know, no man, hey, listen, it just it costs nothing, man. You know, it seems personal. Seems very personal to you. Oh yeah, to me it's personal, man. Listen, I'm telling you, listen. If if they could put the camera here, no, if they could put uh, if if they could put the tape of me going up here. You see all the things I go through. You, you, you say, "Whoa!" And if you don't, if you, if you don't believe in God, you will believe in God. Listen, I used to go in a restaurant, sit down in the corner, right? Just wait when people finish to eat the rest of the food. And sometimes they used to kick me. Hey man, get out of here! Go find a job. You're too old for doing that shit. What's no job? It's no job for me to go. You know, you need a job. If I if I want you to go job. I would, I would go. I did a job. Like I tried, I did. I tried to clean up the, the streets. You know, I tried to clean up the streets. I did all that, but sometimes it's not a job. You know, and uh, I used to be that other man waiting for. We've we've all had some help from someone or another, either a mentor or a boys and girls group, uh, uh, the boys and girls club. Who helped you during these rough times? I mean, you've mentioned God, but I mean, on a human level, who? Was there someone who really grabbed you, helped you? Oh man, you know. So I, I was playing basketball, and then I stopped playing basketball because it was hard, man. Like you go play basketball, you know, food, I don't know, shoes. You know, it's just far, like I was like, man, like I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play basketball if I don't know shoes, no, no, you know, it was just hard. You play on, you know, outdoor basketball, you play on water. And then at some point he's stopping, I say, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to go find, you know, some small job just to find something to eat, right? Then I stopped, uh, at some point I stopped, to, I stopped to play basketball. You know, I go live to my grandma, with my grandma. So, you know, where, where my grandma lived, it, it was no basketball team there. You know, and to go play basketball, I had to walk, eight, all, you know, like two, three hours. So it was too much, man. Sometimes you got no food, you know. And then at some point I just tried to hustling. You know, try to do a small job cleaning the street. You know that shit, and uh, and doing the, the, what I told you. I was going to the restaurant, just wait, scrap, eat, yeah. Scrap. And uh, you know the crazy thing is, I, I, I was eating a lot too. I was you know tall, eating a lot, so it's hard, man. It's hard. So and then one day, one day, one guy, he's old. He used to he used to play basketball with my dad. You know, because my dad used to play basketball. Mm -hmm. So he stopped to play basketball, and then one day he saw me walking. You know, like like maybe two years later, two two years later, when I stopped to play basketball, he saw me walking. He said, "Serge, come here. You got something in your basketball. 
you have to go back to play basketball. If you need bread in the morning or whatever, I'm gonna take care of that. You know, and that guy, I remember that guy, he's the one, he's the one, the reason I, I, I came back in basketball world, and uh, he's the guy, he's the reason, you know. You still in touch with him? He died, unfortunately, yeah, he died, he was sick, he died, you know, he's the, that guy, like, and because that, in that moment, my dad was in jail, so, you know, I didn't have no parents, so, in my life, you know, it's only me. He called me, he said, Serge, I want you to come back to play basketball. You know, he said to me, I see something in you. You know, come back to play basketball. And the same, the same year I came back to ba play basketball, then and I got selected to go play with uh, the national team junior, with the national team Congo, you know, junior. And when we went to South Africa, that's where everything started. That's where my, my agent saw me and everything started. The same year. This leads to my last question. How important is it? Not only it's not about money, about just putting a little bit of effort and time into somebody into helping other people. It's not always about the money. Is no, it? it's not about money because a lot of people don't have money, but it's sacrifice of time. You know, like when I go when I go back home, I give those people my priority more than my family. It's not, this is not about money, you know, because at the end of the day. You know, in the day, a lot of people got money. You know, you know, it's like I always say, like it's like, you know, somebody who can give a hundred bucks, and somebody who can give two hundred bucks. It is how, where, is th where that come from, and they are. Some people they can give, some people they can give two hundred or one million just to show off. They don't really care. They want their name. They want their name. <laughs> exactly. Some people they give ten bucks. Coming from some, somewhere, yeah, and they you have know, twelve dollars. Then I try to You know what I'm saying? So that's the problem. You know, like me when I go back home, I spend most most of people don't know people don't know that. You know, I spend more time with kids and orphanage than my family. You know, so yeah, and uh, you know, I, I enjoy doing it, man. Yeah. And because I always, I always say, I don't do it because for people to appreciate me. Like I don't. I'm doing it because I know God is watching. That's matter. You know. I don't want nobody to thank me for that. I'm not doing it to get nothing. You know. You know. The funny thing story is, when I got in the NBA, when I started to do that, and uh, I didn't want nobody to know. Anonymous. No, I didn't want to even. No, 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 no. Just now because my people, you know, my team, they forced me. You know, people need to do it because to me, when I started doing, it, I didn't know. But I say I know one person is watching. It's God. You know, and that's to me, that's matter. That's matter. You know, that's matter. Because he's the one gave me everything I have right now. So if he, I know he's watching every time I do it, that's make me happy. Man.